welcome to Mom and Up. With your co-host, developmental psychologist Dr. Marty Erickson and Dr. Aaron Erickson, maternal child health specialist and nurse practitioner. Here's my grandma Marty, and here's Aaron, my mom and I. Welcome to Mom Enough. I'm Erin Erickson here with my mom, Marty, and I am, am so excited to talk about today's topic. I, I don't know how many of you out there feel like you have way too much on your plate and you're just scraping by day to day. I would guess a lot of you, and I know I certainly feel like that as, as well, and I'm constantly trying to sort out, how am I going to get all this done? And the overwhelm of parenting can be so profound. Our guest today, Tanya Dalton, is a parent productivity expert, writer, speaker, and founder of Inkwell Press Productivity Company, a company centered around productivity tools and training. This week, she is releasing her first book, The Joy of Missing Out, with publisher HarperCollins. Tanya's messages about business management, productivity, and the pursuit of passion have affected thousands of people around the world, and I'm hoping it's going to affect all of us today. I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, we're really resonating with your topic, Tanya, and and I uh, am in my 70s, as our listeners know, because I tend to mention that often, I think, trying to come to grips with it myself. Um, And I really thought that by this age, I wouldn't be living with this feeling of, what am I going to do next? Where am I going to start? How am I going to get through all all of these things on my to-do list? But I'm, you know, I guess it's my own choosing that I have allowed myself to continue to live like this into my 70s. So um, your book is going to be uh, in my pocket or, or next to me in my car just to remind me of your important messages. But let's talk first about what prompted you to write this book. What, what were the experiences that made you think this is how you ought to spend a good chunk of your time? Yeah, writing a book is definitely a big chunk of time that you, you spend on, that's for sure. Yep. And so it's important to be really passionate about it, I think. And this is definitely a topic I feel incredibly passionate about. And it it comes from the fact that, first of all, I am a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a CEO of a business, and I'm also a recovering perfectionist. So I totally get it. I understand that feeling of overwhelm where we just have so many tasks we're doing and we we don't know where to start and we we have a to-do list that feels three miles too long and we run around busy taking a thousand things off our, our list, but we slide into bed at night and we think to ourselves, oh, I didn't get enough done. Why didn't I get more done? Or... Or we think, you know what, I'm just not happy with what I did today. And I think that's a really defeating way to end our days. And I found that I was feeling that way on a regular basis. And I wanted to really set out to figure out why I was feeling this way and how I could live with more intention. How I could have a life that felt like it was carried on with an unhurried purpose. Where I was really focusing in on what is most important. So I took the time to discover that for myself. And then through that process, I started teaching and working with women from all different walks of life, women in their 70s, just like you, to to women in their 20s, and women who have kids, and women who don't have kids, and women who are single, and those who are married. And I was finding again and again and again that when I would say to them, how do you feel about your day? How do you feel about your work? How do you feel about your life? That word, overwhelmed, was coming up again and again and again. We feel so overwhelmed by 
our days. We're overwhelmed by the tasks that we have to do. We're overwhelmed by our own to-do list. And that contributes to that feeling of not doing enough. And so we have to realize that when we really have a life where we're living it with intention, where we focus in on what matters most, that's where we find satisfaction. That's where we find joy and happiness. And because I was able to accomplish this for myself and working with all of these women over the past few years, helping them to discover that as well, I thought, you know what, this is the time to get this message out. We have to stop the glorification of busy. We have to understand that being busy does not mean you're happy. It just means you're doing too much. And that busy and productive are two very different things. So we can live happier lives by doing less. We can achieve more. We can live more by doing less, by truly focusing on what matters most. And that is why I am so excited about this book. And to me, it is more than just a book. It's really the beginning of a movement to have women feel so much better about their days, about really understanding how they can carve out that time and space for themselves so that their priorities can sit front and center every single day. Uh, I think that's such an important message. And, you know, you you really are kind of asking people to reframe the meaning of busy. And I, I think sometimes about how we get into almost contests about who's busier, you know, you yeah. rattling off all the things that we have to do and um, as if somehow we're going we're gonna to win the gold medal, you know, if we're the busiest person yeah, yeah. in town. And I know in my own life, um, when I was growing up, I think at a very early age, I learned how to be busy, in part because it was an escape for me uh, from some very difficult things at home. And and I, you know, as a psychologist, which is my profession, I, I understand that served a purpose. And, and it also led to some really good things because I learned a lot of different things through being sort of over-involved in school activities. And I made some great relationships and so on. But especially when you have children to care for and a spouse or, par- or partner um, to be in relationship with, I think it becomes a very destructive thing in so many ways. So I just applaud you for framing this as a movement, not just a, another book, you know? So kudos to you. you. I just loved this quote, overwhelm is not having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. And that is really uh, really profound because it is often so difficult to know where to begin, and um, so I would I would like to kind of focus in a bit on uh, why your message is so important for parents and and probably especially for moms. Yes, well, I think this is the thing is you know especially especially for moms that. I feel like you have your baby and they hand you over this beautiful bundle of joy along with a nice heaping spoonful or really, you know, giant binful of guilt that goes along with it. And I think that plays a big role into why we feel like we have to fill our days, that we have to we have to make sure that we're always giving. And I think women by nature are givers. We give, we give, we give, we give, and then we feel so guilty taking. We feel guilty giving that time to ourselves when Really, if we reframe how we look at things like self-care and we realize that by taking care of ourselves, we are better able to take care of those around us, better able to take care of our kids and our friends and our families. When we are recharged, we're able to shine our light on everyone else and we're better suited to lift them up when we have happiness in our own lives. And when we are happy, 
happiness spreads. It affects how we treat our children, how we how we parent, how we interact even with strangers on the street. And so that's why I feel like this message is so important, especially for moms, because, you know, we feel like when we're in those trenches of motherhood, and you know what I'm talking about, where it's just like, I can't even go to the bathroom by myself. I don't have 10 seconds of time without a kid hanging on my leg or pulling on me or asking, you know, me for something. When we're in those trenches, it's really easy to not be able to see past them. But this time, the season in our life is so fleeting. We only get these 18 years or so with our children living with us, where we can impart our values and our ideals and all of the things that are really important to us that we want to pass along to our children. But if we're so busy running them from task to task and, and doing every project and volunteering for every opportunity that, that shows its face to us, how do we really have time to pour our true selves into our children, to really, really give ourselves fully to those priorities? And that's really, for most of us as mothers, our families are our priorities. But we're so busy trying to take care of everything that we end up feeling like we're accomplishing nothing. We're not really able to pour our true selves into those people that we really want to give it to, which is, for the most part, our kids and our partner and our spouses. Well, I am so that's why I think it's so important. I am totally behind that that message, and I guess kind of to the point of of the quote I shared earlier, where do we begin? Like, what's the first step we take if we want to start this process? Outside of, of course, buying your book and reading through it, but maybe people could get an idea of where to begin. The book is divided into four sections, and each section is divided as designed so it builds off the last. And the very first section is discovery, and I think that's really the place we want to start. We want to discover what are your priorities, what are your passions, what is really your purpose, because then what we want to do is we want that to sit front and center. This is why productivity systems may have failed you in the past, because there's this system, and you think you have to work your life around that. And I say that's not right. We want you and your priorities to sit front and center, and then let's create a system customized to work specifically for you, so that the things that are important to you are getting the lion's share of your time. So through that first section of the book, the first three chapters, we walk through this idea of discovery. Let's figure out, let's figure out what are the stories you're telling yourself? What are the limiting beliefs that you are telling yourself? So for example, are you telling yourself stories like a good mother always is home when our kids get off the school bus. A good mom never says no when the school needs volunteers. A good mom, what, what do you say to yourself that a good mom always or never does? Because here's the truth. These things that we say in absolute, these stories that we tell ourselves are unrealistic. They're not truly livable. And when we begin to understand that you know, is this truly the life I want where I'm always giving to everyone else and never giving to myself? I'm always volunteering, but I'm never taking care of the people I truly care about. That's when we can really start to rewrite our stories and we can really begin to understand how we want to structure our days. So through this process of discovery, we, we talk about what are the stories you're telling yourself? What are the choices that you have? I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they think they don't have choices. They say, well, I don't, I can't do that because I've got small kids at home, or I don't have ownership over my calendar because I've got a, an over, over-demanding boss, or I don't, I can't choose how I spend my time because, you know, my husband has these things going on. 
And here's the truth. No matter what situation you're in, no matter how limiting you think your choices are, there is always a choice. We sometimes just have to dig a little deeper to find it. Because I can tell you I've done studies and, and, and research and found that even in the most restrictive of areas like prisons and even like elderly, you know, assisted living facilities where there's lots of rules and structure, even those people are able to find choices. So if we step outside of the confines of, of what we think we can do and we start approaching it from a different angle and look at things from a different perspective using what I like to call squirrel strategy to really approach our problems, I can guarantee you'll see more solutions there. And you'll be surprised at the different solutions you can come up with. So when we understand that we do have choices and that we can have ownership over our day, that's where I really want us to begin, discovering who you were before you had kids, rediscovering who you were before trauma happened to you, rediscovering who you are at the heart of you, and then let's create everything around that. Because when we do that, when we put you and your priorities front and center, that's when you really begin to step into your own greatness. That's when you're really able to make that impact you truly want to make, not just in your own life, but in the lives of our family members and our children. That's when we can really begin to make changes. Well, Tanya, that's a really powerful message, and I, I buy into it 100%. But I wonder if you could give us a couple of concrete examples about what happened with you in that discovery process. You know, where were you kind of not being true to yourself or not, um, okay. you know, just going along with the stories that you've been telling yourself maybe for a long time? Yes. And what were some of those discoveries that really led to concrete change in your life? I, th I think that'll be really helpful for our listeners to be inspired yeah, by some, some of your stories. Yeah, because I think you're absolutely right. And I can sit here and say, oh, I don't have any stories. We all continue to tell ourselves stories, <laughs> even when we realize that there are stories out there. So that's part of it is really recognizing them and being okay with that, giving yourself some grace because, you know what, we're all human. We're all fallible. We all make mistakes. We all sometimes tell ourselves these stories. So one of the stories that I told myself for a very long time was that a good mom is home with her children. She always volunteers at her school for her children, and she is there. So it was really hard for me because I truly love what I do. I am passionate about what I do for my career with teaching women about productivity. So that created a challenge for me. How was I going to be home every day and be the lead volunteer for every project that came up with my kids' school? So therein you can see that, that's not really realistic for the life I truly wanted. I wanted to be okay with going to work, to really pursue my passion with my career and not feel so guilty about how I was parenting. And so I had to really take some time to recognize, first of all, that I was telling myself this story because I was finding that I would come home and I would have this nice heaping weight of, you know, mom guilt when I walked in the door that I wasn't there right when the kids got off the bus or, I, or that one of them had a party and I wasn't, you know, there to, to serve up the cupcakes and do all of those things. And so I really had to work through it and figure out why was I telling myself this story? Where did this story even come from? And I figured out that really it comes from the fact that I, I have a great mom who I really love, and she was at home. She was a stay-at-home mom, and she did she volunteered for so many things, and she was always sewing dresses for me and baking things and, and taking care of me. And so in my mind, that is what a good mom does. A good mom is always there. And that worked for my mom because... That's what fulfilled her, was being a stay-at-home mom, 
or what I actually like to call the CEO of the home, that was fulfilling to her. She wasn't interested in a career the way that I was. And so when I recognized that this story came from me looking at my mom and seeing what she did and feeling like I had to take that upon myself, when I realized it's okay that I'm different from my mom, it doesn't make me a better parent or a, a, you know, a, a worse parent. It just makes me a different parent. So when I worked through that and I began to realize that it's okay to not be the lead volunteer and to be home every single day, no matter what, I began to feel much better about it. And I began to tell myself the story. Every time I would find myself saying a good mom in my head, I would say, a good mom should be home. I would say, no, no, a good mom loves her children the best she can. And you know what? A good mom who loves her career is an excellent mom. I mean, there's nothing wrong with with going after our own passions and the, the things that are important to us outside of our children. In fact, that is incredibly healthy for our children to see. It's amazing role modeling for our daughters to see what a woman is capable of. And you know what? It's amazing role modeling for our sons to see what a woman is capable of. And by showing them this in my own life, I'm imparting that knowledge and these lessons onto them about how a woman can live, how a woman should be treated, how a woman can take care of herself while still taking care of other people. Your story, Tanya, I I just have to jump in here. Your story really resonates with me uh, when I look back at my own childhood because I had a mom who was a stay-at-home mom too, and she was a very tender, loving mom, but I always wanted to see a spark in her. I knew there was a spark for me. She loved me and she loved my little brother, but I wanted to see her, uh, you know, from a very early age, I wanted to see her have something that was her own. My dad was quite okay. controlling and, and um, you know, I, I was troubled by that interaction in their relationship. And I just wanted my mom to have a voice and have a life that went beyond that. And so, you know, it's, it's, I think that's an interesting thing to reflect on. What are our kids really thinking about our lives? And as I look at what I chose to do in my life as both a career person and, and a mom with, I think, a lot of investment of time and energy into the relationships with my children. And then I see what Erin, my daughter, has chosen to do, which is uh-huh. very similar in, in uh, many ways to the path that I chose. Uh, we're in different fields, but with some overlap and, and certainly kind of similar approaches to trying to trying to be good at both of those big aspects of our lives. And I hear what her daughter, Clara, says about both of us and about her other grandmother, too, and the things we've done in our lives beyond just being moms. Not not just yeah. being moms. I don't want to say it like that. That sounds no. judgmental, but, um, you know, that is, yeah. that's a huge piece of what we do. But it's very interesting to see, you know, the different ways that that can be done with love and joy and effectiveness. Not not to make it sound like we've got it all together because we struggle yeah. all the time. Well, but uh, yeah, but I think too when you reframe it and you start to see that what you're doing when you pursue your own passions and when you when you find things that you love outside of your children, when you begin to understand that that is actually role modeling and that is truly healthy for our children, right. that feels like really good permission. Like, this is okay for us to do, it, even though we don't really need permission to do that. So this is what I'd love to ask your listeners. I want you to think about your kids right now, and I want you to think about what do you want more than anything in the entire world? What do you want for your children? Just think about that right now. 
And then let me ask you this. That thing you just thought about, was it rooted in happiness? I can guarantee it was, whether it was I want them to be successful, I want them to have a happy marriage, I want them to have good relationships, I want them to find a career they love. Whatever you thought about was rooted in them finding happiness. And you feel that way because you love your children. And your children love you back. So what do you think your children want for you, right? That's great. What do you think your children want for you? They want you to be happy. And taking care of yourself is not selfish. Taking care of yourself is selfless because it allows you to take care of everyone else because you feel happier, you feel healthier, you feel taken care of. Well, that is that is so powerful, and um, I mean, my mom and I talk about this all the time—the oxygen mask metaphor—and uh-huh. you know how finding joy in our own lives is uh, just a, so important to our our optimal well-being. And if we're in yeah. a better place, we're going to be a better parent. And that really um, touches on one of your kind of seven key takeaways. Um, you know, like you say, to be truly productive, we need to give our brains a little space to play and explore. So that might be part of the happiness and it could be doing the job we love. Uh, I, I just, I think these takeaways are really, really wonderful and um, we're probably not going to get to all of them, but I would love to talk a little bit about your fourth takeaway. Every time you say yes, you are saying no to something else. I I say this to my patients all the time. No means yes, and yes means no. When you say yes, what are you saying no to? When you say no, what are you saying yes to? This is so important. So tell us a little bit more about this. Well, I think the thing is, is that we often feel guilty saying, saying no to people because we don't want to be the person who lets people down. We don't want to be the person who quits or uncommits. We don't want to be that person that, that isn't being a team player. Because, again, it goes back to that whole idea of we're givers by nature. We love to give, especially as mothers. We love giving to everybody else. But what we often don't really realize is that you are saying no all the time. You're just not saying it in the way that you realize. Because every time you say yes to someone else's project, you're saying no to your own passion project. Every time you say yes to a volunteer opportunity that you do not love, you're saying no to time with your family. Every single time you say yes, there's a no in there. It may feel hidden, but if you look for it, you'll see you have to steal time away from somewhere in order to give it to whatever you're saying yes to. So when an opportunity crops up, that's what we need to ask ourselves. If I say yes to this, what am I really saying no to? And am I okay with that? I think one of the big mistakes that a lot of people make is they think, if I have the time, it should be a yes. And I agree that time should be a factor, but that should not be our first question we're asking ourselves. Our first question we should be asking ourselves when an opportunity comes up is, why do I want to take this on? Does this really fulfill who I want to be? Does this fulfill what I call your North Star, which is, your own personal mission, your vision, and your core values. That's really what's driving you towards that life you want. So this opportunity that comes up, does that fulfill that? Does that get me closer to my ideal day and making that my, my every day? Does this really fulfill me in a spiritual way or, you know, an emotional way? And then we can ask, do I have the time? But having the time does not equal a yes. Well, because we have to remember that we're always saying no to something else. 
Well, that, I, I, that is so important. And, I, you know, I really struggle with this because uh, and, and I, I think I'm just kind of plays back to the title of your book, but I have this fear of missing out. And I love the title, Joy of Missing Out. It's so great. And uh, there are times, though, where I feel like I am have an internal battle between this fear of missing out and, and maybe uh, a real need to, like, stay home and take care of myself um, or stay home and um, do something different with the kids. You know, it's like, that oh that party that would be so fun and oh yeah I feel like we always say no to these things you know but it's just like sometimes it's a really tough internal battle and it's hard to make that choice it is it is often hard to make that choice and I think that's the thing is we feel too that um there's that old adage that opportunity only knocks once and so we feel obligated to open that door every time opportunity knocks and welcome it in, whether it's really our opportunity or not. And in fact, opportunity will knock, and if you don't answer that door, if it's the right opportunity for you, it'll come back around. It'll knock again. And it's okay for opportunities to pass us by. It's, it really is such a, a mindset shift to feel okay with letting opportunities pass us. But what we find is if we look back over our life and we look at that life map of ours, there will be times that you've seen that things have, have not worked out for you. You know, you might call those unanswered prayers or, or um, things that you really hoped for that just didn't come to fruition. And nine times out of ten, when we look back with that hindsight, which is 2020, right? When we look back with hindsight, we see, oh, that was good. That was good that didn't happen. Or, oh, man, am I grateful that X, Y, and Z didn't really happen, even though I really wanted it to happen at the time. So we have to keep that in mind that sometimes when opportunities come by, they're not our opportunities. So let's start by asking those questions. Why do I want to take on this opportunity? Does this really fulfill me? Does this move me closer to that ideal version of myself I'm looking for? And then again, then we ask about the time, whether we have that, that available. The other side of that too is that you know the um, off, the example that Erin used of staying home and having a quiet evening in either to take care of herself or to do fun things with the kids, that's an opportunity too. So either way, we're missing an opportunity, you know. Yeah, and, and that's a reality of life. You can't be every place at once. Yeah, and I I will say that the the one thing that um, I'm always struck by is I usually do choose the like, you know, self-care or home with the kids or, you know, doing something more relaxing. Um, And I always find that when I'm doing that and I'm mindful, I feel so good that I chose that. And so I think that piece of mindfulness of really being aware of what's happening in the moment as we're doing that thing can kind of affirm, yes, this was the right thing. Absolutely. In fact, I say in the book, it's not about managing our time. It's about savoring the moment. It's about being present and living in the moment. Instead of thinking about what's everybody else doing, instead thinking about what am I doing and what am I enjoying and taking that in fully and really living in that moment, whether it is taking care of yourself or spending, you know, Friday night playing a board game with the kids or, or watching a movie or whatever it is, a quiet walk by yourself taking that all in and being fully present and really savoring those moments instead of figuring out, like, gosh, I could have answered 10 emails in this time. Instead, thinking to yourself, how do I feel right now? How does this moment, you know, how, how, how is this going to affect me in the future? 
because really when we take that time to recharge, we're really we're really better able and in a healthier place for ourselves where we can take care of ourselves and everybody else. Well, that is a wonderful point to end on, uh, Tanya. We could talk to you all day uh, and uh, wish we had more time. But thank you so much, Tanya Dalton, author of The Joy of Missing Out, Live More by Doing Less. Thank you so much for joining us on Mom Enough. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for tuning in to this episode. I'm Erin here with my mom, Marty, and we are Mom Enough, or at least we try to be. And we hope you'll tune in again next week. Content copyrighted by Marty and Aaron Erickson. All rights reserved. Visit momenough.com for an archive of all Mom Enough shows and many free downloadable resources on child development, parenting, and maternal health and well-being. Do you think I'll have a show called Kid Enough someday? <laughs> <laughs>